welcome once again, my friends, to the Global Gale podcast. My name is Philip O'Connor coming to you from my little studio here in Stockholm, Sweden. You are listening to the podcast for the 70 odd million Irish people, the diaspora around the globe. You may have been born in Ireland. You may have had parents who were born in Ireland. You may just love Ireland generally. This is the podcast for you where we lift up the stories of great Irish people all over the world. The whole point of the podcast, lads, is that there's no such thing as an ordinary Irish person abroad. So we're trying to lift up those stories of Irish people doing extraordinary things or people of Irish heritage doing extraordinary things. This is the last podcast in September and I've been talking with me good friend Dave Rooney and if you want to hear from an extraordinary man you'll be hearing from him very soon all the way from Las Vegas. Before we get into that right we're trying to get this podcast to reach as many of those 70 million as possible right because when you have a market of that size lads eventually it's going to start making sense for somebody to come on board and to to sponsor it or to support it or to help me uh, to keep making these podcasts every week so share it if you can right if you have a few bob over every month five or six euro every month go to patreon.com forward slash arrow man in stockholm when you go there, there's various different tiers. You can throw in two euro if you want, doesn't matter. But the more people in America can support the podcast, the more I can make it. And last but not least, please follow me on social media, right? At Philip Ablana on Instagram. Getting better at the old Instagram there, lads. I may not be a pretty picture, but the old Instagram is great for the stories. And I always publish uh, the links to these episodes there and uh, a little bit more extra content, usually a little bit of an excerpt from the chat and that. So be following me there, uh, at Philip O'Connor on Twitter, and you'll find me at Philip O'Connor journalist on Facebook as well and you'll find Philip O'Connor on LinkedIn so connect in any of those places whatsoever and don't be afraid to get in touch lads tag me in a post or drop me a message or that kind of thing if you have a story or if you know of somebody around the world that I should be talking to or if you have your own story to tell that I should be telling on this podcast get in touch don't be shy right especially when it comes to the girls and the women around the world Uh, it's often very easy to get lads to talk about the great things that they're doing and women are often an awful lot shyer but please do come on the podcast I'm aiming for a 50-50 gender balance uh, on the podcast but without women it's very hard to do it lads and I promise I'll offer you a, a safe and a pleasant experience coming on here to talk to me it's not today tonight it's not prime time it's not question time we're not going to hold you up against the wall and start shouting at your aunt like that in fact it'll be the opposite just a very relaxed conversation now the man we're going to hear from this week is an extraordinary character altogether. And at the beginning of the interview, which I did a few days ago, uh, I will list just some of his achievements in music and entertainment. But it's I was only talking to somebody about this uh, this morning, about Joe Brolly. Uh, sports fans among you will know Joe Brolly as the man who was on the Sunday game and uh, a great Gaelic footballer in his time and a, and a great man to give a quote or a good soundbite or that. But Joe was also a qualified barrister and he's a man who has huge life experience outside the game. And it's the same thing with this man. Dave Rooney, right? Because Dave is a great guitar player, a great singer, incredible endurance. The man could play all night and there's nothing he likes more than singing all night after singing all day. But he's also a writer, he's an actor, he's a filmmaker and he's up to absolutely extraordinary things. And all of this time, for the last whatever, 50 years of his life, certainly since he was a teenager, he has struggled with anxiety. His new book is about that. It's going to be coming out very, very soon. And the way to write in this book and uh, and the plans that you have for it are absolutely extraordinary altogether it's an incredible story the way I got to know Dave Rooney was through another Dave, Dave Brown from Cuff Street and myself and Dave have known each other since we were teenagers, we played music together uh, Irish music together, we've toured all over Europe together, we've done some wild things all together and uh, he played a lot in Temple Bar back in the day and still does, when he appears in Dublin he'll go over but now they're living in Las Vegas, Nevada and they're one of the most popular acts in the Rerob pub there at the Mandalay Bay Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada and it's just a tremendous show that they put on there week in, week out, night in, night out, six nights a week and the two of them have also been appointed ambassadors for Kyol Air and so that is where we start this conversation. Here it is, Dave Rooney talking about life and music and how he coped with anxiety. I was just thinking, Dave, that, you know, the introduction to this is probably going to be longer than the podcast. Emmy Award winner, two-time Guinness World Record holder, Irish Songwriter of the Year 2012, Best of Las Vegas 2020, Best of Las Vegas every year, if you ask me. Uh, a man with an awful lot of strings to his bow. And now yourself and Dave Brown have been appointed Kyol Ern Ambassadors. What's all that about, sir? 
Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a, it's a great movement, and we're, and we're really, to be honest with you, we're, we're, we're very, um, um, well, I suppose privileged and honoured to be to be a part of it because it's it's actually a, um, it's actually a topic that's very close to our hearts, and it, it's been set up. Okay, Kjell Aaron is set up it, basically to help uh, creative music go forward in Ireland. Um, it just seems that it just seems that the uh, the whole. Uh, uh, music industry in Ireland has really been kind of ignored. It's very, very flat. Um, and as you, you probably know yourself, being a musician yourself, uh, Ireland is such a hotbed for for creative talent. I mean, some of the some of the bands and and uh, songwriters and singers that that I've encountered o- over the years uh, are, are it's mind blown. Really, you're kind of going, Jesus, I'm going, I'm giving up playing the guitar. You know, uh, there's some great, great players out there, great musicians, and all the rest of it. And they're trying to forge forward. They're trying to, you know, uh, eke out a career in music. And it's not possible because although Ireland is a hotbed for creative talent, it's also a graveyard for creative talent. Because what happens is, unfortunately, is that they get into the the, the whole uh, belief system of the thing. They get into it. They want to play music. Uh, they love it. Of course, we all love music as well. But um, And then they try to forge forward. And there's very little, there's very little support uh, for any of that, never mind getting your music. Now, let's say, let's say you go and you do a, like a, like a, an album of songs, and uh, and then you you try to get it played on the radio. I mean, you'd be you'd have a chance of meeting the Pope. You know what I mean? And I, I find it, I find it really, and and I'm speaking from the personal perspective because I, I released about maybe five albums in, in total, and um, and I've been to all the the meetings, and I've been to all the uh, I've sent all the radio stations, and oh yeah, it's all yes, 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 or absolutely ignored you know what I mean and uh, it's uh, it's tough so uh, when Dave Brown uh, that's Picture House Dave Brown who reached out to us he uh, uh, he said lads uh, I'm, I'm involved in this movement it's it's, it's going to give a voice to young creative talent and and to look at other aspects of the of the, the music industry the, the monetization for creative artists who are, are getting slaughtered on the likes of these Spotify's and the various other platforms that are out there and it's you know what it's it's embarrassingly bad what they're doing and how it's being uh, condoned which is which is something that's uh, that really gets to me because I mean, why would you let people rob you like that? Like, you know, and why would you not want to kind of, you know, nurture it and, uh, you know, take care of it? And, you know, uh, I, I, I'm bewildered now when it comes to that side of things, you know. And um, uh, and there's various other aspects to support, like, like, there's, um, like there'll be information. There'll be, for example, let's say for, let's say you have a, a young band and they want to make a record. Um, they don't have a whole lot of money, so there'll be support there for that. Let's say you want to take a band and you want to bring them out. Like we're in the States and we've been all over the States now at this stage. Uh, you want to take them out and, uh, you know, you want to tour them. Uh, venues and festivals and stuff like that. And, and that'd be another side of it as well where it's very, very hard even to break into these festivals, even for the likes of ourselves. Uh, why that is, I don't know, because there's a whole genre of Irish music that's being ignored, right? Now, there's more to Irish music than whiskey in the jar. Now, don't get me wrong. Traditional Irish music is fantastic. I think it's beautiful in 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 in, in its place, you know. But Ireland, uh, from a music perspective, has an awful lot more to offer. And uh, I've been witness to all of that, and, we, and a lot of us have who are out there. Anyone that has travelled, you know, and I don't mean just going to Santa Ponza for two weeks and hey, I'm cultured. I had a <laughs> had a bottle of wine and I'm coming home. You know, it, it's not the same thing. Um, what's out there? It, it, this place, uh, like the United States of America, is starved. For for for, for uh, decent Irish talent, we have up to seventy million. Now this is questionable, and you hear you hear different numbers, and nobody actually really knows. I think there's actually more, but we won't get into that. That's another that's another another side of things, right? You got to you got to say something. Go on. That statistic: seventy billion people of Irish extraction all over the world. That's this podcast is built on that, Dave. I won't have anybody questioning that whatsoever. You go ahead, my friend. That's the only <laughs> fact we have on this show. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear it. Well, you look at that, like, and you kind of go. I mean, there's such a uh, affinity between uh, the US and, and Ireland, and um, plus, there's also like a, a I'm not going to say sympathy, an empathy towards anything coming from Ireland, because people are are into their heritage and they're they're into it, like they love it, like, and they want to they want to help it. But um, it's not being what would be the word. It's it, it's done in quite strategic ways at the moment. There's various 
uh, festivals, let's, let's say that's out there, you know. But like, listen, that's great and, and congratulations and well done and all the rest of it. But there's a whole genre of Irish contemporary music, songwriters, uh, musicians, uh, instrumentalists, all that, that are actually being ignored. And I don't know why. And then the other side of that, the radio stations and all the rest of it. I mean, to be honest with you, I believe anybody that's in a position where they can go and do, where they can, um, what would you say, accentuate uh, Irish music and talent or something like that. I honestly believe that you have a duty of care to bring that forward because this is the lifeblood of our existence as a nation. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it is the lifeblood of, of our existence as a nation from a, um, what would you say, from a tourism point of view, from, from a heritage point of view, from a culture point of view. I mean, it, 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 it ticks all the boxes. So it's, it's very sad that it's, it's gone to that. And that is one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why uh, I'm so happy to be involved with this and to have a voice going forward. A lot of your career, Dave, has been spent abroad, right? We've spoken on, on another podcast before about the time that you spent touring in Scandinavia. Obviously, you've been living in, you're going, coming up to a decade now, living in Las Vegas. You've played in every single state on one tour, right? Um, if you go back to your time in Scandinavia, I, I think of the Eurovision Song Contest and how that alone is an industry here in the dark North European winter, right? Where you have, you know, you might have six gigs before the song is decided. There seems to be a whole different infrastructure, a whole different ecosystem around music there much in the same way as you mentioned there in you know the honky tonks of every, like every midwestern bar will have live music in that country why don't we have that in ireland why, why was it so hard for you and me and everybody else was trying that to make a living back in ireland do you think i'm not really sure i think well okay one of the things is uh, ireland is very small right and and the industry maybe the industry is not there and there are a lot of musicians right they that there are um, some some are better than others. That would be the most diplomatic way I could say that. But um, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, 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 that would be one side of it. Um, the other side, um, I'd say there's various you know there's various organisations that would kind of you know corner the market if you like from from that and, and just kind of like it's the gatekeepers. You know what I mean? And, and let in people that they know or favour or whatever whatever that is. And um, it just seems a little a little unfair, but it's also, it, they're actually shooting themselves in the foot because if everyone had of, um, I mean, let's forget the past, right? If everyone going forward was to uh, embrace, let's say, uh, nurturing uh, talent coming forward and bringing on all these musicians and bringing on everybody and, and trying to push it out there, Irish music in the world, and I'm not just saying traditional, contemporary and otherwise, uh, would actually you know, extend and, and, you know, grow exponentially, you know. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's hard to know why, but it seems to, to, to be that that same mentality has been carried over and, and it's reached over here as well, you know, where they have these little pockets of, you know, and, and the, a, a gay, I like to call it gatekeeper kind of, you know, and uh, to try and, and break into these festivals and stuff like that. But uh, I can tell you this firsthand, Everywhere we go, I mean, there's no there's no shortage of places to play or venues to play or anything like that. And everywhere we go, and I know some really great bands who come over here, and, and they're, they're exceptional. They're very, very good and uh, and don't get included in, in a lot of the stuff, you know. Um, oh, yeah, Dave could tell you the same thing as well, but uh, it's very, very, it's very, very evident that the place is starved uh, for for. for for that type of music, for our type of music, um, traditional and contemporary, you know, and uh, I think it's uh, it's there for the taking, and that's one of the things that we're going to be going uh, forward and forward with, where we're going to be talking to the venues, we're going to be talking to the publishers, we're going to be talking to the uh, the, the labels, uh, the radio stations, and, and and so on, and and get this uh, first of all to get everybody to know about Kjell Aaron and its mission, uh, what it's going to be, what it's going to do, what it wants to do, and and secondly. Um, just put it into action and get everybody involved. And I think uh, I, I think it's going to work. 
It's a very noble team because, like you say, there's so many talented people. There's actually there's a band, I don't know if you know them, from County Louth called the Mary Wallopers, and they're coming over here to Stockholm tomorrow night. And, seen you know, they, they, you've seen them, yeah. So, like, But I, I heard their version of Wexford by the Pecker Dunn the other day. Jesus, Dave, you know, it was amazing. And, you know, if it hadn't been for YouTube, I wouldn't know who these lads are because I don't know if they're right. played on the radio back in Ireland or anywhere else. So I'm hoping now that the work that you're going to be doing with Kjolairn is going to lead to that. Listen, as I said, there's so many things that I want to talk to you about. I want to touch on another subject now because you are an Emmy Award winning filmmaker uh, from This Is My Home an Irish Story won an Emmy a couple of years ago. You're currently working on the follow-up to that which is called Through a Storm uh, an Irish Story and basically what you've been doing is you've been travelling around America uh, mostly on the East Coast to get the story of the firefighters and the first responders uh, many of whom passed away on 9-11. What's the status of the film now Dave? Is it ready to go? Is it receiving support from people over there? Right, the status is we're about, I'm going to say, 80% there now, thank God. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, 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 it's an unbelievable uh, undertaking when you're doing it solely by yourself. Um, uh, we've raised the, the, the funds for it ourselves. We've had all sorts of uh, friends and who, who are well able to, you know, uh, um, sponsor various parts and aspects of it and stuff. Uh, unbelievable. But what a project, uh, Phil. Uh, it's... it's um, it's hard to put into words, and I'll try my very best to put it into words. Um, all of these stories, so, so okay, the basis of it is it's it, the Irish connection to 9-11. We were unaware that we'd lost over a 1,000 uh, Irish Americans uh, in, in in the, the Twin Towers. So um, it, it immediately gave us a kind of a connection to it, you know, and we immediately wanted to do something about that. And we, and we, we wrote, we didn't write the song, we, we recorded a charity single, You Never Walk Alone. And um, uh, this is this is going to be our signature tune that will go through go through the, the documentary. But speaking to these guys, uh, the, these firefighters and these uh, construction workers, and then uh, and these uh, and then A listers and stuff like that. Well, let, let's go to the firefighters first. Them guys are, are I'm going to say it's just superhuman. I mean, the selflessness that these people uh, kind of display or, or, or show us. Uh, is incredible and um, the, the belief in, in one another and, and the camaraderie and how they bring you into the whole thing is, is uh, it's exceptional um, I've never seen anything like it uh, before and I've never felt that because they, they've included us into their brotherhood you know I've never felt that before and it's uh, it, it's it's, uh, it's it's unbelievable um, they're, they're, they're fantastic people there's no doubt about it and it's it's all duck or no dinner with them. It's straight in, you know, you, you know, no talking and no messing straight in. And um, I really, really respect them. And uh, they're such, um, they're such like brilliant people as well to be around. I just love it. So them fantastic people. Uh, it's a pleasure to, to be able to um, document their stories and, and even get them to talk to us. Like, I mean, they liked us, you know what I mean? And uh, most of them haven't spoke for 20 years. So we're after getting all of these stories that you would never hear, you know. And then I got the governor of Ataki in New York, and I got the chief of police, and then we, then we got um, where did we go? We got uh, Carrot Top here, and we got um, <laughs> who did we get? Uh, Brian Cranston uh, from um, Breaking Bad, and we got uh, oh, really, really cool, um, really cool people, and uh, Don Felder, uh, ex guitarist of the Eagles, and, and everyone has a story. It's unbelievable. Everybody has a story. So uh, I'm really, really happy with the way it's going. And uh, uh, we're hoping for uh, having it finished and, and we can distribute it on St. Patrick's Day 24. That's the aim now. Mm. So, so, so that's where it is, uh, but, but we're getting there. And uh, I'm editing it, you know, I've been doing it for about, I don't know, maybe six weeks now. And uh, it, it's, a lot, it's a lot of work, it is, but, uh, but uh, certainly one I, 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 I always look forward to doing. So it's, it's, it's going to be very good, very good. Yeah. It's interesting, Dave, because what we spoke about there with Kill Lairn and what you are doing with your films, you two, yourself and Dave Brown, who's your partner in crime in the Black Donnellys and was part of the first movie with you and was making this movie, which is, well, the two of you have sort of operated very much outside the music industry and then went to operating outside the film industry because you felt, well, okay, why not just do these things ourselves? Why are we waiting for these gatekeepers to let us in? Why not just go and do them? That has its advantages, but it also has its disadvantages. What's been 
it the hardest part for you of getting into the film industry and making these films? Is it raising the money? Is it learning the technical things, the editing? What's the toughest part of that, Dave? There's a million answers to that question. <laughs> but, uh, so the hardest part, of, well, first of all, raising funds anywhere in any part of the world is, is hard. Um, the, the fact that most of the people that we meet, we meet them uh, in a pub under the influence and everybody says yes, and it's only when you come around to kind of collecting uh, that it gets it gets a bit smoky and people start to fall downstairs and fall off roofs and crash their cars and all the the stories are insane. You know? But uh, but but that's the, the, but it's you know there's a certain challenge in all of that. You know what I mean? That feels good when you do it. But uh, there's also great people who 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 believe in us and believe what we do, and uh, and that's kind of warming. Um, yeah, three years ago I knew nothing about filmmaking, only the fact that I was in one. You know. And I wanted to, I wanted to kind of, you know, take control of it myself because it was hard because your urgency is never going to be anybody else's urgency. You know what I mean? And true that you're left kind of, you know, wandering, you're left wondering, am I going to get this? Or you feel like you're, you're pissing somebody off because you're pushing them to do something for you and all that. So I said, right, stop, I'll stop this. So I ended up just going, getting the cameras, uh, watching what I could, speaking to as many people as I could, learning it, learning everything down. Got the editing started. They started going through that mics, uh, lenses, the whole shooting match, and then you have to go on and actually start filming and stuff like that. And uh, I've had a, a good few runs of doing various things, and I've made me mistakes along the way, and I know what not to do now. So I've gotten to a pretty good place now, uh, where you know I'm I'm just you know on the on the on the premise of delivery now, you know, and uh, so. It's 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 all hard. I mean, if anything was easy, you know, everyone would be doing it as that, that kind of saying goes. But it, it's it's difficult to. Um, it really depends on you. If you have the energy and you have the want and you have the intent and you want to make it uh, happen, uh, if you believe in what you're doing, uh, which I I, I I really do believe believe in. Uh, this is doing good. Uh, bringing out a story that's kind of being put to the side a little bit. Uh, if you look at, at the you know the the, the last um, the anniversary there September 11th, it was quite there wasn't a whole lot out there on it like you know and so it is kind of kind of starting to fade into into and a lot of people are very unhappy about that uh, but the same token they're very happy about us bringing it to the fore and 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 helping remember and of course then there's the, there's the uh, there's the aspect of of young people who are you know uh, they're talking about being desensitized because they weren't here when that happened. And and through that, uh, it seems to be that's helping it to dissipate a little bit. So um, so in, in in answer to your question, uh, it, it feels good to do it. Yes, it's difficult, and and they're all difficult parts in it. But it's it definitely is a labour of love. Definitely. When you were sitting across the table from a person who was going up as the towers were coming down. How do you find being the interviewer in that situation? Because sometimes you have to you have to ask the question and take yourself out of it. You can't start to cry. You can't give any reaction other than maybe a nod of the head. Sometimes you can't even be compassionate because what you want is for them to convince you of this. Did you find it difficult to get used to that role? Because essentially what you do, whether you're standing on a stage or standing behind a camera, is you're a communicator, you're a storyteller. Do you find it difficult to take a step back and let somebody else tell their story to you? Uh, yeah, yes to all of the above. Uh, um, you're absolutely right. What you're saying, it, it can get because uh, uh, some of these interviewees get they they get uh, they get emotional, you know, uh, and that's tough. And then and then you get emotional through that, like, you know. So it's um, yeah, it's 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 uh, it can get a bit precarious at times, you know. Uh, I, I like to kind of have these kind of self-protective mechanisms where I kind of go, if I see it kind of veining to one side where it's, okay, this is going to get a bit heavy. I try to, I pull back a little bit and I'd stop, I let them talk and then I might change the subject a little bit. And uh, so I've become become quite the dancer when it comes around to, well, no, I'm not going to this way, I'll go that way. And so you, you, because you have to respect uh, these people's feelings because it's a, it's a very heavy thing. And also um, they are doing that. Like, I mean, like most people don't want to talk about it, you know. So, but the, the very fact that they're talking about it is is, is great in itself, you know. And that's an accomplishment in itself. But uh, yeah, it can get it can get uh, uncomfortable at, at times. But thankfully, most of the people are looking at it in a in a in a good light because uh, fundamentally they're happy that you're doing this because you're helping remember their friends and their family and their loved ones and stuff like that. So so. Uh, 
yeah, but th- th- no doubt it can get it can get precarious, yeah, mm. for sure. Aside from the Emmys and the films and the six nights a week of gigs and traveling all over the United States and playing every single festival you can imagine in places that I can't even spell, uh, you've yeah. also written a book uh, because 10 yes. years ago, I couldn't have imagined you doing the things you're doing now. And I mean that with the best will in the world, Dave, because you were struggling at times with anxiety and you've written a book now called uh, Living with Anxiety, Breaking the Chains. Is that the name of it? Living with Anxiety, The Road Back, it's called. The Road Back, sorry. The Breaking the Chains is actually a reference to the brilliant artwork that was done by your son. Uh, I've seen a mock-up of the, 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 for some reason, the Breaking the Chains thing. The Road Back. Tell me about that, Dave, because as I say, just to get to the point where you could consider writing a book like that, that's a hell of a journey in itself. When did you decide that you were going to put your story down on paper this time and not on film or in music? Um. I was invited to a school climate conference by a friend of mine, John Bandenberg. He's the CEO of PCE, Protect, Educate, Devalue, whatever that is. And John, forgive me if you see this. But um, and uh, it, it was over at the uh, Pachanga Resort in uh, Murrieta, which is between uh, Riverside and uh, San Diego. And um, uh, he puts on this, this seminar, and it's, it's kind of like they're all educators, all teachers. And he, he, he invites in speakers. And... Uh, so uh, he said, lads, would we'll just come over? Uh, you know, is a very uplifting. With your, your gig is very uplifting and stuff like that. And I think you'd be a nice fit for this. And he said, yeah, absolutely. So over we went. And um, so we were there and we were helping him with the sound and we were helping him with all sorts of stuff. He, he, he bought these speakers. And it was great what he did. What he did. And he had these people come in and you have these life coaches and, and various people because there's a huge need for this at the moment, first and foremost. Um, you know, post-COVID um, and all the rest of it, uh, anxiety's crept in and non-belief and the glass is half full and things have kind of broken down and um, there's not a whole I mean there is support out there but there's not enough and as a result it's kind of it's kind of shown that it, 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 there's a market there for it simple as that um, so I was there and he had these he had these uh, speakers and each of them were an author of, of their, their book you know and whatever the perspective, you know, um, uh, topic that they were talking about. And a lot of it was about, like, you know, you, you know, like life coaches and talking about how can you better yourself and how to you go about life and all this kind of thing. But but I noticed nobody was talking about anxiety, you know. And uh, so that was the first thing. And I went, wow. And I didn't realize, I didn't even know that these things went on. You know what I mean? I, like, I noticed, obviously, conventions and all the rest of it. But I didn't think there was seminars for this kind of thing. So I looked and I went, okay, that's, that's really cool because... Uh, anxiety is a big thing for me. Uh, I've been suffering it since I've been 14, uh, about 14, 14. And uh, it's it started back from uh, from actually uh, uh, recreationally, <laughs> recreationally uh, uh, messing around. We're getting high. And uh, so we were we were sniffing this kind of a, a, a Tipex tinners, and, uh, like a solvent. Some kids were doing it and they were laughing their heads off and we wanted to try it and that was it, you know. I had to go over it and... Um, it's a very impressionable time to be doing something like that because it it, it, it will deter you from where you're going or, or you're, you know, and we take you away or whatever. And there's all these kind of urban myths about, oh, you hear this noise in your head, you're going to get, you know, you run to a doctor, it's, it's over. And so I had all that stuff going on and I was believing it. And uh, yeah, it took me down a rabbit hole and uh, yeah, and it, it's it stayed with me, you know. <laughs> so uh, I've been through uh, the ups and downs of it. I've been to specialists as a kid and, uh, there wasn't very much support because most people were into roach fives and vacuums. I'll give him a couple of tablets and he'd be okay, you know. And, and this is the way. And um, uh, so th- this is the whole thing. I've I've had anxiety like all, all through my life, and it's it's been it's been bad at some times, uh, at various times. So my early twenties, my mid thirties, my early forties. And it was just that when I got to the to the uh, around forty five, I'd met a, a girl here in, in town at a gig, and uh, she she put me onto the likes of uh, your, your diet and um, you know pH balance and you know the water you drink and uh, and then uh, to talk about how to to, to uh, empty your mind and transcendental meditation and how exercise comes into it and all the stuff. Now I, I'm a, I'm a um, 
uh, a qualified fitness instructor and a, a lifeguard and all that kind of stuff. So I've always been into training and fitness in, in some shape or form. I've waned and come back, waned and come back. And this all plays part of this whole uh, recovery thing because it brings you, you know, releasing the endorphins, feel good factor. You're, you're, you're challenging yourself, you know, you're forging through again. And this was the whole reason uh, for me uh, wanting to do something like this. And then uh, when I seen the opportunity that was there, it presented itself. Nobody said anything to me. I just, I decided myself, okay, <laughs> light bulb moment, you know. And then, um, and then I, I said, right, I'm going to try, I'm going to do something. But I started writing these kind of, um, uh, they're called sticks, right? And they're eight-minute uh, sticks. And I, I was talking about, let's say, anxiety. Then I talk about leap of faith, you know, having to uh, take a chance, you know. And I was talking about lost and, you know, I, I recently lost my mother and I wanted to kind of talk out how that felt and stuff like that. But I, all of these things, I felt that I could talk about them and that it would help other people because there's certain things that they don't talk about. And I've been kind of internalizing this for years and years but at the same time i've been educating myself unbeknownst to myself you know and then with the stigma that's attached to all of this because nobody wants to come out and talk about it you know mm. everyone's embarrassed and they think people think they're weak or they're mad or they're crazy or all this kind of stuff and the 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 the, the, the funny thing about it and it's not that it's funny uh, the realization of all of this is, is that every second pe person is, is suffering from it uh if not everybody at some stage uh which which is insane so that was the whole catalyst behind me wanting to do this uh and uh i, I said about writing it writing it on a, in the story format it's, it's in my own kind of way of explaining things i'm talking about all my travels how i felt uh when i was in a certain place and and as to why uh why i was feeling that way and now that i had the education of kind of looking at myself and looking at what i was doing and alcohol is in there uh your diet is in there um, hereditary is in there. <laughs> you can actually, you know what I mean? It can, it's gifted to you as well, you know, in part. Uh, it's multifaceted and it goes on and on, but that, that was the reason behind the whole thing, yeah. And hmm. um, how did you find that process, Dave? Because I find it interesting that, you know, for so many years you were a musician and that was your channel, you know, and then film became your channel and you learned how to do that well enough uh, to win an Emmy for it. And next thing it was on to writing. So it seems to me that not only are you trying to find different ways to tell your story, but you're also trying to find different crafts for yourself to master. Did you find the, the writing process difficult? Was it something that you found easy to do to sit down? Because you're also you're writing about yourself and that sometimes means confronting things about ourselves that we don't really like about ourselves very very good point um so so i've been a songwriter for years and years um well i, I go back i'll go back to school uh academically I, I did very well in school um um a, a lot of the time they um they actually wanted me to uh, back in the day uh they used to teach fourth class and fifth class in the one classroom right and my older brother was in fifth class mm -hmm. and the teacher called me and said listen um uh, David's not being challenged. Uh, we're, we're thinking of moving him up to fifth class from fourth class, which was unheard of back in the day, you know. And um, and they decided against it because of the development, you know, and the age, the age group, and so on. And that was right on the on the the premise of going into into puberty and so on. And that was how it was, it was explained to my mother. So I've always been um, uh, academically kind of uh, on on top of things, you know. And uh, and then English, and then when I went when I went to um, when I went to high school, uh, secondary school, <laughs> the Americanism's coming out now. So uh, uh, I was I, I was quite good at writing stories, and I was quite good at at, at um, uh, English and grammar and so on, you know. And uh, I, I remember writing a poem, or not a poem. I, I was a poet anyway since I've been a kid. I was a poet anyway, but uh, I, I'd won um, I'd won this, uh, trophies for poetry through various different. Um, school programs and, and and competitions and stuff like that you know um i wrote a poem for a pub in in, in scandinavia uh, the shamrock and i won it was for, uh, guinness ran it and um it was for northern europe and then they took me away for a couple of weeks and uh, back to ireland and all that and it was fantastic you know so i was yeah so that was i was always there and then I, of course i wrote the, the the play with bill monks i co-wrote that play that was put on in in in, in up in uh, leitrim so i've always kind of had that in there you know what i mean it's just that like my love for music took over everything else if you like you know and then that was where i wanted to go and then you get to a stage now i'm coming up on 30 years playing music and 
I, I, I wanted to find something else to do, basically, you know. So, so I kind of felt I had that in the arsenal anyway, and uh, and that I was at some stage it would come out, and and that's pretty much where and why and how I got here, you know. Mm. And um, what's the expectation for the, the, the book day? Because well, a lot of the things that you do, it's uh, or a lot of the things that yourself and Dave Brown I was also involved in. I'm a little bit similar myself. We do this thing of build it and they will come. I don't ever see the point of going, oh, well, I want a record deal. Just write the fucking thing. See what happens. If people like it, they like it. And then when it's done, you move on to the next thing. You know, have you sort of said to yourself, right, I want to be, you know, I want to change. I want to go from being a musician to being a writer or to being, you know, uh, somebody who lectures on the on these things. Is that the, the idea behind it? Or do you want to continue doing, you know, with, with all the feathers in your hat that you have at the moment with the music and the films and the writing? Yeah, um, well, there's two answers to that. Uh, number one, uh, the beauty of doing what I'm doing is that I, I can keep doing music and do this in tandem. So because of the the space and time, uh, you know, you, you, your gigs at a night time, if you want to jump out, you can get someone to depth if you have a gig coming up or a speaking gig coming up. So you, so you can do the two. And and that kind of, I've always, like, I have an older brother of mine, he's always says, like, we, everyone's got a ball that you bounce. You can five balls, he goes, you know. <laughs> That's how he kind of always kind of depicted me, you know. And he says, how do you do what you do? And how do you find the time and all that, and all that stuff? So, um, yeah, uh, first and foremost, because I've suffered uh, anxiety and because I've gone down a rabbit hole and because I've eked out um, a way to deem it manageable, uh, uh, I feel that, first and foremost, that I, I could definitely help somebody else. No doubt in my mind about that. And... Uh, and and if not, why not? So I'd like to do that, you know. Um, just to touch on one of the things that you said, you know, we'd be writing about things that we don't particularly like about ourselves. You're absolutely right about that. Um, but when I was writing it, I found it quite therapeutic because I did answer a lot of questions uh, that were kind of, you know, laying around. And it, 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 it I, I believe that when you get to like into your 50s, you do know who you are and you're, you're quite kind of a, I'm quite a, a, like feet on the ground kind of guy. And um, uh, I like to keep life simple and I like to keep it clear and concise, you know, so I can understand everything. And and I, I, I kind of uh, use that kind of MO with my relationships with people and stuff like that. Just keep everything right. It's the only way to go. And, and, and through that, uh, through that, I can clearly see uh, exactly what I can do. You know what I mean? So um, what I'm actually trying to say here is, is that, I'd like to uh, forge forward and certainly go and help people with that. So the direction of the book, uh, it'll be available on, on the platforms, Amazon and the like. Uh, it's also going to be my, my calling card because uh, I'm getting into mental health speaking. So I'm going to go and um, talk at seminars. In fact, I have one in January coming up in California and that, that'll be my first solo one. And uh, I'm going to go and start talking about that. Um, I'm, I'm going to get an agent. I have a couple of agents actually, and I have a couple of um uh, prospects coming up for 24 uh, which will uh, which will enable me to go and do that so uh, you'll, I'll start marketing from, from here on out and uh, yeah it's, but definitely something I want to do going forward and it'll be a sideline but, but yeah I can do music too um, are you capable these days now when, when you were playing music in Scandinavia and everybody was on this mad hamster wheel of a tour that used to go around and Molly Malone's in Helsinki and then you'd be down in the Dubliner and Copenhagen and then the one in Malmo and over to Oslo to the Kilkenny and that kind of thing and it wasn't a situation where we were very kind to ourselves we could have been very sort of self-critical if you had a bad night or a quiet gig or people didn't enjoy what you were doing you used to you know we all used to beat ourselves up about it do you find now that you're in your 50s with all the experience that you've had the things that you've done the awards that you have on your shelf can you be kinder to yourself now Dave than maybe what you would have been back then a hundred percent I'm very lucky Phil in the sense that I'm quite a positive person um I didn't go one step forward to say that I don't know how to be anything else you know what I mean I just don't know and 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 that's I don't know if that's stupidity if it is well it's worked for me but um I've been very I've been very lucky in that respect um Number one, performances we talk about, even if they're quiet and stuff like that. I, I, I've never really suffered it, um, uh, feeling like, oh, they didn't like that or whatever. Like It's, it's been always good in, in that respect. Uh, yeah, there are nights that you kind of go, Jesus, that was brutal, you know what I mean? Or, or they weren't into it, but I never blame myself. It's always somebody else's fault, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like I, like I was saying, like you, you become more mature and you, and you, you you become 
uh, you know yourself much more. And um, and <laughs> are you capable of what, doing six nights a week still? Like it's it gets it gets tough. It does. It gets tough at times. You know. Regardless, so this would be a good way of doing a bit of yin and yang and stuff like that, you know. And um, and I, I think everybody will, will feel that way as well. You know what I mean? So it's mm. it's uh, but you know what? It's still great to go and, and travel. And uh, we go everywhere we go. We're invited back, you know. And um, there's never been we've been very lucky in that respect. But we do put on a good show. We've got a great formula, um, and it's all done in, with, with, in a humorous way. And uh, we don't take ourselves too seriously. Uh, we got the new album now coming out as well. So it's been one busy, man. It's been a busy month, you know, busy month. Unbelievable. Incredible. Uh, six nights a week, as you mentioned, at the Re-Raw Barn, the Mandalay Bay Hotel. I know people who come there from all over America. They come from all over Canada. They base their holidays around going and seeing you guys play. And every evening starts by watching you play before they go somewhere else. What is the secret of entertaining people at that high a level, right? Because Las Vegas is essentially the best of the best, right? You're not going to make it there if you're a bum. You're not going to make it there if you can't sing, you can't play. How do you guys manage to keep that going, Dave? Um, well, one thing on your side is that um, is is that it's a very transient, it's a very transient uh, audience, right? Um, now, how do we keep it going? We just have a formula. We don't have a set list, right? So that's another thing that works because that keeps the kind of um, novelty, if you like, going for, for us alone. It has to be good in here before you can push it out there, right? So once the novelty is here and you know the interest is here, well, then you can give it out there. So. Um, we just have this kind of um, happy-go-lucky way about us. Uh, I, I believe to be. Uh, we 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 see. <laughs> just laughing, your man's mad. We see. <laughs> we see. Um, we see the fun in, in in nearly everything. You know what I mean? And, uh, uh, and and it's just as well because because I don't. I wouldn't. I mean, that's certainly the same in Grace. It has to be. You know what I mean? I mean, regardless how how good you are, or how good you are at something or. Um, you need to have that because if you don't have, if you don't have that, you'd be hanging over up somewhere. I think you know what I mean. So it's uh, it can get tedious, but um, but the, I think we, we balance it right as well that we get out out to travel around and stuff like that, and um, uh, you know that that mixes it up, and um, and the fact that it's transient as well, and the fact that we don't use a set list, you know, um, yeah, that's that's probably how how it's kind of lasted this long, you know. I remember arriving into Las Vegas one night, as I am prone to doing. And uh, of course, the first thing I do, I don't go to bed. I just go straight up to see you. And right. uh, I sat down and I just heard people shouting songs off the floor. And you were just bursting into them, playing them perfectly from beginning to end. And then the next one and the next one and the next one. And like, does the audience, like, I mean, they're a big part of the show at this stage because they're the yeah. ones that you seem to feed off, you know, because there's also audience that you absolutely don't want to feed off, you know. <laughs> Is that part of the buzz? Is that the challenge that they give you oh, every night? Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely, one hundred percent. You need that energy in the room. You need that kind of a. Uh, uh, you need that validation. You know what I mean. And uh, but it's it's pretty much you know after the one, two, three songs, and we're cracking jokes in between that, and we're asking them where they're from, and you you involve everybody as well, and you know, and they say so, somebody might say so, and it doesn't even matter what they say, and you you find a hole in there to you know to have a have a shot at them, and you know, a bit of a crack, and have a laugh about that, and then and it kind it's a way of just bringing them in. Uh, we're, we're very good at that, you know. There's no doubt about that. It it it, it works for us, you know what I mean. Um, and then uh, with the facts of, of knowing this song and that song and the other song, just the love of music and and uh, over the years, like I mean, we're talking about twenty years now playing this stuff. Like, so you got to know a lot of songs, you know. But uh, yeah, it's 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 still good, you know. You you get the odd night where where, where the, the energy is low and you're looking, you know, they're not getting involved. Not that they're not getting involved. You could have people there, but like, and then they'd move away. And it's, as I said, it's transient, so they're changing all the time. So then you might get a couple of people, oh, they come in and they're like that. And so you, you go into that and you feed off that, you know. Some nights, the, 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 there's not that many people there. So then you kind of go, like, well, there's nothing you can do. So what do you want to do? We take a break. <laughs> okay, let's go and have a cup of coffee or a beer or whatever. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, energy is, is, is a big one, you know what I mean? And you, you do feed off that. And, uh, you know, you've got your you've got your arsenal of songs, and you have your your sense of humor, and you have the fact that you don't use a set list. And I think they're all integral parts of of the the successful formula. Thirty years on the road, making films, winning Emmys, writing books. Are you happy, Dave? 
I'm very happy. In fact, I'm glad you said that because the first thing I, I say in the book, in the introduction, in the preface, or the, the preface, for, for those of you who don't speak <laughs> Dublinese, is, <laughs> is uh, I love my life. Really, I, I'm really happy. That's the, the, the first lines in the book. So, yes, I am, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to have accomplished what I've accomplished. Um, I, I've lived in so many different countries now at this stage and traveled everywhere. Uh, it's, it's certainly, it's certainly, someone said to me, it shows in your face that you've enjoyed your life, you know? <laughs> and I was going to go, what do you mean by that? You know, but they meant, well, <laughs> are you trying to get at me here? But no, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been a, man, it's been a, it's been a spin, you know? And, um, it's been a great spin for, uh, for that matter. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's, it, uh, I mean, we've had ups and downs too, but like, uh, the downs were few and, and the ups were many and, uh, yeah, it's 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 stood to me, and I I feel great, and I am yeah, I'm 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 very happy with myself. Yeah. Is there anything you change about your life, Dave? Because sometimes you, th- you hear people. I never trust people who say they've no regrets, right? Because if you've no regrets, you haven't done anything. Is there anything that you would change? Is there anything that you wish you knew when you were younger that you've learned? You know, maybe in your thirties or forties that you could tell a sort of a teenage Dave Rooney and say, "Look, at pal, if I were you, I'd do this when I come to this crossroads," kind of thing. I use this word serendipity all the time, you know. It's amazing. I was only talking about this last night, you know. I wish I'd have more crack over it. Um, you know, when you get to this age, right, and, and uh, you're looking back now, you know, no one could could, could uh, ever hold me to, oh, you didn't have a good swing of the axe and all that because I, I pretty much did everything where I wanted to be. And what, you know, I went to where I wanted to be and I was allowed to go where I wanted to go. And, I, you know, family and all were always very supportive. But... Um, I, I was always quite mature for my age when I was growing up, you know what I mean? So I always kind of, and maybe this is, maybe it's a good thing now, but I just feel a little bit, uh, maybe I should have said yes when I said no, you know what I mean? So there's, there's little pockets of that kind of stuff, but like, do you know what? Um, having said that, uh, I, 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 I believe that I lived life to the full, you know, um, fell in love uh, all the time, all around me, everywhere, right? Which, I should have been a little bit more kind of uh, frugal with my feelings, I think, you know, because <laughs> I got slaughtered a few times, you know, which, uh, again, is is, is all in the uh, the learning experience, you know what I mean, uh, of, of dealing with women and stuff like that, you know, but but once you understand them and, you know what I mean, uh, you get to this age and you know, you know what it's all about now, you know what I mean, whereas, so there'll be stuff like that. As far as things that like that I would have liked to have done, um, I, 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 like to, I still want to see Brazil and Japan and Cuba and, and a few places like that, you know, maybe maybe Aussie land, maybe we'll, we'll have a look at that. But um, uh, what, what's left to do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Emmy, like, Emmys and books and films and all sorts of tour. The but in fair, but in fair, you know, I've never even thought about that, answering a question like that. But, uh, but I mean... Um, you know, forward and forward, uh, I, I have very little regrets, uh, uh, Phil, to be really honest with you. Um, none come to mind is, is the truth. Um, as I say, various relationships that I went to school with, I'd wish I'd have seen a few of them coming on, right? You know, but but again, it's made me the person I am today. So, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't feel it. I don't feel it missed out, you know, what kind of way. I tell you, you certainly haven't missed out. It's a life well lived and there's plenty more to come. The book is called Living With Anxiety, The Road Back. The film is called Through a Storm, An Irish Story, Part 2. What's the new album going to be called with the Black Donnellys? It's called Legacy. Legacy. Oh, that's a very portentous story. We like that. We like that. That'll be up the billboard yes. charts now. I think that's that's all the bases covered. But for now, if anybody wants to see the Black Donnellys live, you can see them in Rira at the Mandalay Bay Hotel or at a festival near you. And of course, not forgetting that Dave Rooney and Dave Brown, now Kyol Aaron ambassadors fighting the good fight for Irish music in America and around the world. Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure. And as I say, we were supposed to do this in person in Las Vegas this week and I couldn't make it over. But I hope I get over there soon and we can have a good chat about a few of these stories again. Absolutely, 100%. Lovely to talk to you, man, as always. And uh, thanks very much for having me on. Thank you. Pleasure's all, boy. Would you wish, Kathleen, I'm trying to listen to that awful Egypt Philip O'Connor on the Global Gale podcast. He's wrong about everything again and I want to call him out. Poor old Kathleen, I don't know how she puts up with them. There you go, that was the multi-talented Dave Rooney there talking about everything from anxiety to music to filmmaking to writing his new book, 
the re-raw bar or the re-raw Irish bar at the Mandalay Bay Hotel is where you'll find the Black Donnellys featuring Dave Rooney and Dave Brown pretty much any night of the week that you rock up to Las Vegas the boys will be there very close to the T-Mobile Arena if you happen to be there for any sort of a sporting event I love to drop in there when I get into Las Vegas the two lads are just brilliant musicians a great crack as I'm sure you'll, you'll have heard there and um, please do follow the podcast on social media or follow me on social media because the podcast doesn't really have social media because if you're following all me accounts it'd be like following the Ansbacker accounts or Sean Quinn's accounts Jay's would be so many accounts and the money be only resting in them at Philip Ablana on Instagram at Philip O'Connor on Twitter at Philip O'Connor journalist on Facebook and share whatever you're having yourself wherever you find me it doesn't matter do get in touch if you have any suggestions for people to have on the show and please do go to patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm throw a couple of quid in there and keep the old lights on boys and girls right that is it for the Global Gale this week if you're following the podcast you will know that the Arrowman in Stockholm podcast which is named the feed that comes out here the Irish in Sweden podcast comes out here the Premier Swedes podcast comes out here and all of those things and more we drop it in the coming weeks but for now take care of you as ourselves take care of one another and I'll be back again next week with another episode of the Global Gale podcast and for today that's in it why don't we allow Dave Rooney and Dave Brown to play us out with a song from the Black Donnellys my heart holds the time for those passing years In all of its glory and all my fears Finding no ending, no frontiers Letters and cards from those who I've missed And right from the start The ones who I've kissed and broke their hearts Look at me now, now when I walk right back Back to the place in my heart, in my heart This is my home, and I've been away for far too long From my home, coming back now, the bad feelings gone From my home, where the love is, in my home again I'm crying tear for the crocodile, but I'm not crying now. Cause I'm not them, and they're sure not me. And I won't change for anyone. How can you hear the sound of those voices singing across these foreign skies? Await your return, but to their demise. Walking in circles, oh why, 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 oh why, oh why, why, Cause this is my home, and I've been away for far too long from my home. Coming back now, the bad feelings gone from my home. Where the love is in my home again. To fight with yourself, but you're not gonna give in. And you're crying inside, and it's so hard to hide the way that you really are feeling. And here's something. This is my home